0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Uh, What a great morning. Good morning. Uh, Welcome. If you're visiting with us this morning, whether you're here in the house or you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad to have you here in the house of uh, the Lord this morning. We're grateful that you're uh, taking part and we're glad that you're worshiping with us and also uh, hearing a little bit about the missions that we support. Uh, September has been uh, when we typically focus on our missions. Last Sunday began a focus on missions uh, that we support as a church. You heard from uh, Pastor Barry Allen uh, about recenter. He gave a great message about recentering. I want to continue to talk about this idea of recentering ourselves this morning. Uh, we've done this for a number of years in September, focused and highlighted areas that we support as a church uh, internationally in parts of the world that we obviously we just can't be there physically. Places like Kenya and Uganda and Mexico, and Ecuador, and Egypt, Uh, we can't be there physically. Sometimes we are on a short-term mission trip, uh, but we're always committed through financial support to uh, ministries that are doing great things way beyond our borders, and we'll hear about some of those in the coming weeks with some of the, the videos that you've seen. And we also are highlighting local missions that we support a ministries that offer services beyond the core competencies of the church. So we saw some examples of that in the opening video this morning. If you were uh, here as the service opened, we saw some snippets and some uh, brief updates from missions like a Life Challenge that offers residential services for uh, people who have been caught up in substance abuse and addiction, and uh, Life Challenge really helps them out, or uh, places like Life Builders, that's revitalizing neighborhood. Uh, we saw Larry Johnson talking about that, and what a great testimony. You know, somebody who's uh, been there, they've been living under the ministry, and now they're saying, no, I, I don't, I don't want to take the help. I'll give that to somebody who needs it. What a, uh, what a fantastic testimony, you know, that Jesus is working in the life of that family. And uh, we saw also help for the incarcerated and aftercare for people coming out of incarceration with uh, Steve and Robin Malik and Gateway to Glory. We'll be seeing others in the coming weeks, uh, but some of the other local missions that we support, they help uh, through counseling for uh, sexual addiction. They are helping people caught up in human trafficking. Uh, Helping unwed mothers, uh, helping those who need food, uh, just supporting a local food pantry. And all of these ministries, they all have one very, very important thing in common. And that's that they're not doing this for themselves. They're doing it to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. These these ways of interacting with people and uh, helping people, that's a positive thing, but they're also sharing Christ. They want people to know the true hope for eternal life, and they're sharing the gospel. They have all that in common. And all the people who are involved in these ministries, they also share a common thread in that they've they've uh, made some sacrifices to lead these missions and to be a part of these uh, mission groups. Sacrifice, it's not a, a word... Um, that we think about very often, I would say. It's not something that most of us would say, that's my goal. That's my ambition. You know, ask someone just getting out of uh, school, maybe high school, college, or, or someone young starting their, their life. Say, where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be in 10 years? You're probably not going to hear the word sacrifice in that answer. You might hear, I'm... I'm aiming for a better position in life. You might hear, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna own a home in five years," or "I'm gonna start my own business." I'm gonna. I have an ambition to start a family. Things like that. But you're probably not gonna hear. Well, I'm planning on making a sacrifice. Because sacrifice, we heard a, a brief definition in the treehouse video. Sacrifice means to give up something, to suffer loss, to renounce. And to really take on some pain. And the dictionary definition talks about doing that for some kind of idea, idea, an ideal, or a belief. That sacrifice is especially involved in something like that. So asking someone, hey, where are you going to be in five years? You probably won't hear, well, I'm looking forward to sacrificing, and I'll be giving up my career. And I just can't wait to do that and get out of my home and go out on the street and live and not have a vehicle. Most of us do not get up in the morning and start our day with this in mind. I just can't wait to give something up. I can't wait to sacrifice. Who does that? Not too many hands in the house. Be- because it just it's not on the forefront of our mind. And the reason is because sacrifice implies a hardship. It implies pain. The primary meaning of sacrifice is the ultimate in giving, and that is the offering of a life. The first dictionary definition, in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, the first primary definition for sacrifice is this, an act of offering to a God something precious, especially the life of an offering at an altar. So, again, ask someone, what's your ambition for today? And you're probably not going to hear, I'm giving my life as an offering. But I think we all know people who've sacrificed. People who've given something up. They've not given their lives necessarily at an altar, but they've given up comforts and amenities and luxuries and time, and they've given up something for what they would consider a higher Purpose. And for some, we might agree or we might disagree with what that purpose is. People sacrifice for all kinds of reasons. People have sacrificed for the abolition of slavery, for the right to vote. They've uh, sacrificed to provide equal opportunity. And we might say, well, those are noble reasons. But some reasons we might not, we might not consider so noble, we might even call them immoral. People have sacrificed to, to, to fight for abortion, for example. In, in all of these things, though, all of these reasons, people have said, I'm going to give up for this cause. I'm going to sacrifice for this cause. Now, as Christians, from a Christian perspective, we might uh, sacrifice, and we view sacrifice and giving up something for the, for the reason of the gospel, for the sharing of Jesus Christ, the goal of sharing eternal life, we see that sacrifice as meaningful and worthwhile. That doesn't necessarily make it easy, though, does it? A worthwhile goal isn't always an easy goal, and it doesn't mean it's something we like. Maybe if we took a good hard look inside of ourselves, we might, we might think, oh, I haven't sacrificed much at all. And perhaps we need to recenter. Perhaps we need to recenter on sacrifice. Like we heard last week about hitting that button that says recenter when you're out on a, a mapping program and it just brings you back to where you're supposed to be. Maybe we need to recenter a bit on sacrifice. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. In the Bible, sacrifice was introduced very, very early. The first pages of the book of Genesis, we read about Abel, the son of Adam and Eve. And he he was sacrificing uh, to the Lord. He was giving offerings from his flock to the Lord. And then not not long after that, you read about Noah. And after the ark and the great flood, and the ark was on dry ground, and Noah and his family disembarked the ark, Noah began to build an altar, and he offered sacrifices of animals and birds to the Lord. And Abraham, the patriarch of the Hebrew people, he offered the sacrifice of lambs to the Lord. Then it was in the period of the Exodus, where Moses, the great leader of the Hebrew people, under his leadership, the people were liberated from slavery, in Egypt and God's hand was there in mighty ways and there was many miracles and it was in that period that God established the blood sacrifice of an animal as a way to atone for sin and you read then in Exodus that the the evening before the people were liberated from Egypt God instituted something called the Passover meal and it was a meal of unleavened bread And a lamb that was uh, sacrificed. And the blood of the lamb was to be put over the doors of every single home. And then that night, the angel of death came through. And if the home wasn't covered by the lamb's blood, if that sign wasn't on the doors, the blood of the lamb, there was the death of the firstborn, and that was a, a... a really hard time in the nation of Egypt. And that's when the Pharaoh said, you people can go. And then that Passover, that Passover became an annual celebration for the Hebrew people. It was annually celebrated as a reminder of the necessity of blood sacrifice. And it went hand in hand with God's salvation. They were to remember the salvation of almighty God as they, as they sacrifice that lamb and this blood sacrifice it was continual and it was ongoing and it's a very stern and a very somber reminder of the severity of sin and the cost to atone for sin and could it ever come to an end could this ongoing continual blood sacrifice ever come to an end and the answer is yes it could And it did with the coming of Jesus Christ. God had not instituted human sacrifices. Sacrifices came from what people possessed. From from what they had in their own possessions. They had to give up something to atone for sin. But they didn't have to give up their very own blood. But Jesus was different. Jesus was born with a mission And the mission was to give his life as the perfect, the complete, and the final sacrifice for sin. And Jesus knew that. He knew that was his goal, it was his ambition. That was where he was going. And, you know, like I said, we don't get up in the morning saying, I'm going to go sacrifice. But this was Jesus' mission, and he talked about it. And then he paid it all. He gave his life so that we would no longer have to offer that blood sacrifice. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that we have in Jesus something like a get out of jail free card? You know, we can live as we see fit now. We can do whatever we want. We can live wildly and recklessly with all kinds of abandon. We can cheat and rob and steal and kill and do whatever we want. Because Jesus, he relieved us of the penalty of sin, right? No. No, we, we are called to give that up. We are called to turn from that. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, verses 24 to 25. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Jesus, he gave his life. He he gave his life for us. And he said to us, he says to us now, if you want to find your life, You need to lose it. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Lose your life. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about being a blood sacrifice. He wasn't talking about literally dying. But he was talking about turning away from a life ruled by you. Turning away from a life ruled by me. I have to give up my life and follow him. Follow his example. Denying yourself and denying your own wants and your own desires and your own lusts. You know, that's the image of taking up the cross. There's an image there. It implies it isn't easy, it implies there's a hardship, it's a sacrifice. Now, how are we all doing in that area? Now, how am I doing in that area? I need to to look at myself and ask that question. Paul, the great leader, Paul, the great apostle of the New Testament church, the church planter, he understood a little bit about this, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. He had turned from a life of persecuting the church, a a life of breathing out murderous threats against God's people and following through on it, a a life of going after people to imprison them because they had turned from the ways of Judaism and they had begun to follow Jesus. And he became a sold-out, 100% believer in Jesus Christ. And he wrote to a church that he had helped plant, a church in the city of Corinth, about turning from sin. He wrote about this idea of turning from sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, let's look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And Paul wrote this. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast levels the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch. As you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened, with the malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So the apostle Paul wrote very clearly about the need to eliminate sin, to turn from it. It's like yeast leavening a batch of dough, he said. It affects the whole batch of dough. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Deal with sin. And he was talking about dealing with sin in the church, but also about that man who was in sin. He had to deal with that sin. And Paul, Paul asked for a hard thing for that man. Put him out of the church. Put him out of the fellowship. Because he's doing this openly. Openly. Without care, and he knows better. Put him out to discipline him. And he used some pretty harsh words. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, but not, not for vengeance. No, for a purpose. For a purpose that his soul might be saved. And we, we know when we read 2 Corinthians, Paul says, hey, that man's repented. Bring him back. Because when there's true, sincere repentance, you know we can be we can be restored. See, and uh, this is this is what what Paul w- was writing about the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. But until then, deal with the sin, get rid of it, and deal with it in the church. The Corinthians were proud; they were proud of themselves. Even of a man committing incestuous adultery. But Paul wrote, Christ has been sacrificed as the Passover lamb. Jesus is the eternal Passover. And then Paul said, keep the festival. Keep the festival, he wrote. How? How do you do that? Well, by sacrificing yourselves. Giving up wickedness giving up your way, giving it up, give up the sin because it's, it's like yeast and dough. Now, you know, we're not all called to be missionaries like the, the, mission, the missions I've talked about that are around the globe or even locally. We're not all called to give up our families and our livelihoods. But we're all called to sacrifice our ways and sacrifice the, the sin that we call righteous, even if it causes some pain, even if it causes pain. I read a, a, an article just a couple days ago about, um, it was an interview actually, and it, was, it gave some excerpts of an interview, and then I listened to the whole uh, interview that was recorded and it was with Jim Caviezel, and I don't know if you know who Jim Caviezel is but he's an actor and in that interview he talked about acting and he said he was kind of a marked man in Hollywood because after walking off the set one day all the guys were going to go into the strip club but Jim Caviezel wouldn't go. It kind of marked him as odd and different And he did a movie where he refused to do any intimate scenes with the leading lady because he didn't want to dishonor his marriage because he has a faith in Jesus. And again, it kind of marked him. But then he was called to uh, be a cast member in a film called The Passion of the Christ. And Jim Caviezel was, he was cast as Jesus. And he was asked a question about that. How'd that affect you? I want to read you some of his answer. And he said this, I had a lot of pressure not to do that film, but I had no choice. I had to defend it. I had to fight to survive. The film exploded. It was off the charts. You'd think, oh, you're going to do a lot of work. You're going to do a lot of work now. No, I didn't. I was no longer on the studio list. That was gone. That's a fact. Now, because of what I do as an actor, that's my skill. It was given to me from God. I didn't give it to myself, but it's something in which I have a great range. I really felt that faith was much bigger than the industry and Hollywood and bigger than the Republican or Democrat Party or any of that. That's what my call was. It wasn't that I was going to come down here and set the world on fire by doing that film, The Passion. I had a mission. I was called to do it. I wanted to make a film that was set in the Gospels, and I didn't want to water it down. Some people said, oh, I don't like the passion. That nail goes into his hand. I don't like that. Sorry, you don't understand what that is. But it's not the friendship of the Christ. It's the passion of the Christ, that he would die like that for you, for our sin. That's the film I wanted to make. I didn't come into the business to be liked. What does the scripture say about Jesus? He was a sinner? No. Did he deserve to die that way? Absolutely not. But did he do that? Yes. He died regardless of how you see the world. He did that for you anyway. That's love. Now that's from a Hollywood actor. And Caviezel's decisions affected his work. It affected his ability to work in Hollywood. He was off the studio list. But he did it anyway. Because he believed in Christ. And and he wanted to honor him. And he portrayed Jesus in a movie. And then he was off the studio list. But he did it for his faith. He, he, He knows. He knows. And we heard that. He knows the sacrifice that Christ made for him. Did Jesus deserve it, he said? No, but he did it anyway. Jesus sacrificed himself for all. He was the final, the complete Passover lamb. He was the perfect one. And he asks us to sacrifice too. And it might be something like that. You might have to make a decision at work or school or someplace that's going to affect you a little bit and cause you pain. But we're called to do it anyway. I hear in the, 21st century America, most of us, we live in luxury, don't we? We live in uh, great comfort compared with the rest of the world. There really isn't too much sacrifice. Most of us are well-fed. We have clothes on our back. We have roofs over our heads. We have refrigerators. We have heating and cooling units. We're warm on a cold day. We have air conditioning on a hot day. We have clean water without any contamination. And it runs hot and it runs cold. These are luxuries in the, that, that much of the world does not enjoy. And I want to leave you this morning with an example. An example having to do with one of these simple little luxuries. One of these luxuries in life that we enjoy every day, and I'm sure we all take it pretty much for granted. But much of the world does not. And I hope it will remember or, or help you to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and that he calls us all to sacrifice, that he calls us to deny ourselves. And the simple example I want to talk about is hot water. We support missions, like the mission in uh, Ecuador with uh, Caesar and Nancy Cortez, with Reach Beyond Mission. And they focus on bringing water to villages in Ecuador that have never had running water at all. And they do this work to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And villages for the first time receive a water supply through a pipe. It's just basic cold water. We saw today in the the treehouse video. Just a, a well for a village. And they're thrilled. They get a well that has clean water. But it's just cold water. We enjoy walking to a faucet in our homes or our workplaces. And we make a choice. Oh, I'd like some cold water. We just turn a handle. It's clean, cold It's uncontaminated, and we just can have a a cool, refreshing drink. Or we need hot water. We turn another handle. We can wash our dishes. We can wash our clothes. We can take a nice shower. We can draw a warm bath. How great is that? For many of us, when we pull that hot water handle, there's a sacrifice taking place. And I want you to remember that. What's what's the sacrifice? What sacrifice am I talking about? In many many of our homes, businesses, we have a hot water tank, right? I know some of you, you might have gone, you you might have the instant hot water now. But many of us have a hot water tank. And integral to the hot water tank, there's a part. And the part's purpose is this, sacrifice. It's there for one reason only. To sacrifice. And it's called the sacrificial anode or the sacrificial rod. That's what it's officially called. And I'm not gonna bore you with the details of chemistry and uh, an anode and a cathode and all of that. I'll just say that water in contact with a metal causes corrosion. And I think we all know that living in the Rust Belt. Uh, hot water tanks are usually lined, but sometimes that liner might get a little crack. And when it does, you know, the metal starts to corrode and uh, it doesn't take long before the tank uh, uh, rusts out and the bottom falls out. Now to help eliminate the corrosion, a tank comes equipped with a sacrificial rod, a sacrificial anode, a rod that attracts and absorbs the corrosion. It sacrifices itself for the good of the tank. And if if you have hard water, the, the the heating process can really cause the water to smell sometimes, but the right sacrificial rod, it takes on the stink too. The rod becomes the sacrifice to save the tank and, and to keep the water flowing. And I had a, an occasion about a week ago with uh, my son-in-law, Ian, to work on a hot water tank and to replace the sacrificial rod. Now the the rod that we put in the tank it was brand new it looked it looked something like this. It was nice and shiny and just drop it in turn that nut down nice and tight. Brand new, beautiful. Not a speck of corrosion on it. Looks wonderful. It's nothing. It's nothing like the rod that we took out. This is the rod we removed. This is the sacrificial rod compared to the shiny new rod. the sacrificial rod we took out it's a much smaller it's about half the diameter of its original size it's stunk it's covered with corrosion and I, I don't even I wanted to wear gloves today holding this thing it's got all kinds of gunk on it and it', it, it, and it it's obviously it's obviously absorbed corrosion and corruption over. It's time. And to me, to me, this was just an image of what Jesus has done for us. He's taken on the disgust and the corruption and the corrosion and the stink and the filth of sin. His purpose was to sacrifice. He came into, he came into this world to give his life a ransom for many. He came in to take on the stink and the corruption to wear my sin, to bear my shame. And he did it on the cross. Yeah, Jesus was perfect. He was perfect. He was this. See, Jesus was this. He was perfect, like brand new. But what did he do? He became this. He became, he He, he became the one who took on the sin. He became like this old rod here. But be, because of what Jesus did to do this, this is how God sees me. This is how God sees you. He sees us as brand new because Christ absorbs the corruption and the sin forever. But that doesn't mean we can just do whatever we want, does it? Jesus, the perfect Passover, he says, deny yourselves, turn from your wicked ways. The Corinthian church, remember, sin in that church, and they were proud. Where are we as individuals? Are we going back to this? Has the culture drawn us in? Do we tolerate sin? Do we condone it? Are we living in the old ways? Don't go back to the corruption and the filth and the stink Christ our Passover has, has been sacrificed that was the passion of the Christ he died for your sin you Now let's not put let's not put his sacrifice to shame next time you turn on that hot water next time you turn on the hot water Remember, a sacrifice has taken place. Let it remind you. You know, you think of Jesus. Think of what he did for you when you're getting that simple life luxury. A sacrifice has taken place. And remember that Jesus sacrificed for you. Now what about me? Where's my sacrifice? Let's ask that question. Where's my sacrifice? What am I giving up? Have I given up my life? Have I really given up my life for you, Lord? Am I denying myself for you, Lord? Let's think about this. Let's think about this. We sung a song earlier that really tells the story of what Jesus did for us. It tells our story of what he did for us. That he wore our sin and he bore our shame. And he did this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You're our living hope. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our sin and our shame and taking on our corruption and our stink. And God, I just pray if there's any of us who haven't denied ourselves completely and given up those old ways, God, you would help us to turn and repent completely. Lord, if we've condoned sin, if we've tolerated it, Lord, if we've even been proud of it, God, I just pray you'd convict us and turn us. You did a great thing for us by giving your life and taking on what we deserved so that we could be presented as righteousness before our God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bless any heart to help every every person who'd be praying and, and needing to deny themselves more, God. All of us, Lord, we need to deny ourselves more, take up that cross, follow Christ, even when it's pain, even when it hurts, even when it causes us something in life we don't like. God, help us. Lord, I just commit it all to you. Every prayer in this place, every prayer that's touching online, God, may you hear it. May you act on it. May we hear testimonies of your goodness and your grace and your help and we love you and we give it all to you Jesus our living hope amen amen